Welcome to our weekly Church on the Rock podcast. For more information, visit us at churchak.org, download our Church on the Rock AK app, or like us on our Facebook page. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoy our weekly podcast. Hey, you made it. You made it to part two in our mini-series, The Ascent. What we're really looking at is what does it look like to move from being spectators to participants at Church on the Rock, or um, maybe it could be said this way, consumers to contributors at Church on the Rock. It's been interesting over the years, my wife and I, um, as we've had people into our home, um, we've wanted them to feel like they belonged, that they were more than just visitors in our house, but that they were welcome to anything that they could grab something out of the fridge or they were welcome to help out in any way that they felt led to. And that the more comfortable that people become, the more they begin to feel like family, the more they want to use their gifts and their talents inside the context of our home. I think the same thing is true in a church family. At Church on the Rock, we don't want you just to sit on the front porch. We want you to come in the house. We want you to find out um, what we're all about and what we're involved in and what you could do to be a contributor towards those things. And so last week, we kind of told our story, um, where we came from as a church, uh, where we are now, what we believe, and where we're going. Um, And then we asked you to take a gifts assessment test. Hopefully, you took that test. If you didn't, you can still do it. It's on our app. You can go to the Ascent link there and take the gifts assessment. But really what that's designed to do is to give you some clues as to how you're wired by God. And what we want you to discover this week is how has God wired you and how does that uniquely contribute to the body of Christ, the family of God, and at home here at Church on the Rock. And so our prayer is that you would discover what that is that makes you come fully alive and that you would bring that gift to the table because we all need what you have to offer. So here we go, church. Let's celebrate today and let's see what God's going to do in these next few moments together. Let's go. Yes, pathway to participation. Last week was pathway to partnership. Uh, A lot of information you're going to see today is on our app. If you go there to the Ascent and just hit that, you're going to have a whole bunch of stuff you can choose from, from that assessment test to um, different things. So I would encourage you to eventually go there. There eventually somewhere along there's QR code you could flash take a picture of that too and that'll get you to all that information but today I hope I hope we accomplish at least one thing that you know that you are designed by God that you're shaped by God you're created on purpose with a purpose and for a purpose that uh, there is divine design over your life and that you have a place even here at Church on the Rock to discover how where you could fit in uh, I, I, I hope that today your eyes of your hearts are open to the bigger picture. Um, there's so many, we have got to get out of boxes that we put ourselves in. And I hope today that happens. I hope you begin to see things differently. Um, I hope that uh, um, there, if there's an entrepreneur spirit, that that will be stirred in your hearts. If there's that evangelism in you, that will be awakened. If there's a teacher in you, that will come alive. If you're that exhorter or that compassion person, uh, if there's something in you that maybe is lying dormant, that somehow it'll, bam, come alive and break out of that box that it's been suppressed in for whatever reason. Because there is so much capability that God has put into your life, so much God ability. Um, boy, it needs to come alive. You need to come alive. 
You know, only 25% of American adults report having a clear sense of purpose about what makes their life meaningful. 25%, that's not a very big percentage. So discovering your design and purpose will ignite something in you, ignite a passion in you. It'll ignite uh, a fire. Uh, it provides clear, a sense of clear direction for your unique mission. And um, not just in the church, but outside the church in a variety of ways. That's why I hope we can pull the barriers off today. Uh, but discovering how God wired you is going to determine really what you should be doing in life. It should actually, in, in a sense, have a little bit of shaping in your vocation, even your career, but in ministry and church and so many other different ways. Jesus said to this to every believer, Matthew 28, 8, 19, 20. We call this the Great Commission. It says, go therefore and make disciples to all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you to the end of the age. There's a strong push from Jesus right before he went and was resurrected, uh, or already resurrected before he ascended. And there is a sense of go. You should be praying about staying, not going. I mean, there's a sense about making. There's a sense about doing. There's a sense about uh, activation that he left his disciples and the church, that we're not just to sit on our hands and and allow things to go dormant in our life, allow our voices to be mute. But there's something he wants to ignite. And so he said, go and do that. He has intentionally designed us to join him in a mission. And that, a lot of times there's most, well, for all of us, it's very unique. You are uniquely equipped for that. Ephesians 2.10 is one of my favorite verses. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. That workmanship is a powerful word. You were, before you were even born, before you even, uh, you even knew God, uh, God already knew and designed you and crafted you and equipped you for a unique, a specific purpose in the world. The workmanship, again, is the word poem, poema in the Greek, and it means a work of art, his masterpiece. You are his handiwork in so many ways, crafted and designed, prepared for a good work before you even showed up on the scene to know what that was. It's been prepared. So you got to discover it and find out how you can uniquely contribute. Now, there's a priority of ministry. Uh, I don't think we could just nonchalantly take it or leave it when you really see throughout the word what it really means, what God has really, what Jesus really meant when he said go, when he said make and do and get activated. There's, it's not something you could just kind of, well, shrug it off, you know. We need to understand the weight of this and that is upon the church today. For instance, you were created for ministry. I just said that verse, Ephesians 2.10. You are God's workmanship, created for good works, all in advance. A lot of people don't know that they were created for ministry that God prepared for them in advance to do. But that's pretty amazing. That's one of the divine purpose behind the creation of what God put in you for purpose. And you were saved for ministry. 2 Timothy 1.9 says, it is he, God who saves us and chose us for his holy work. Not because we deserve it, but because that was the plan long the time before the world began. So you could show his love and kindness to Christ. So God planned that when you were born again, he planned that you would be saved. He would long for that moment and that you would begin to take the steps of ministry beyond that. You're created for that. 
You're also called to ministry. Galatians 1.5 says, but God in his grace chose me even before I was born, called me to serve him. He called us to. I don't know if you hear his voice calling you, you ever hear that, but there's a lot of ways he does that. But you're, you, we're called to live a life worthy of our calling that we have received. Primary identity, really, as the people of God, are ministers. I love the way 2 Peter begins his letter. He says, a servant and apostle. He says, first of all, I want everybody to know this great and mighty Peter, who's an apostle. He says, no, 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 no. First of all, I'm a servant. That's what I'm called to do. In whatever capacity God has placed me in, and well, I guess he's placed me in this capacity as an apostle, I'm a servant first. That's your true first identity. That's pretty powerful. That's pretty weighty when you think about it. You've also been gifted for ministry. 1 Peter 4.10 says God has gifted or given each one of us special abilities. Be sure to use them to help each other, passing on to others God's many kind blessings. There's a reason for that. You know, you're, the way you've been called and gifted and everything is always for the purpose of blessing other people, the connection of people. The connection, well, that's huge. We want to discover what that special ability and gifts are because they've been divinely given. Now, you've also been authorized for ministry. I've already said this verse in Matthew 28, 18. Jesus said, go. So make disciples. Go. There's an authorization. There's an authority that he has that he delegated to us. 2 Corinthians 5.20 says that we're all ambassadors of Christ. That's a huge term. That's a weighty term. Ambassador is someone who represents royalty, a throne, or a government. You're you're an ambassador on earth for Jesus, for his throne, for his government that rests upon his shoulders. We represent that and force it. You have been authorized by Jesus Christ to minister on his behalf. Man, that's a high call. Every time I see stuff like that, I think God is not insecure in any way. He's like totally hands off ministry and says, go represent me. You trust me that much, God? He says, yeah. I know I'm taking a risk, but it's one worth taking. You've also been commanded. Commanded to minister. Matthew 20, 28 says, your attitude that should be like that of my own. As Jesus said, I have come not to be served, but to serve. Remember, when you take on the role of a servant, you're going to give your life away. You represent Jesus in the most purest way. Jesus incarnate, manifesting the life of Jesus, because that's exactly what he did. He served. And uh, this is not really an option, according to Jesus. Now, uh, Colossians 4.17 says, Take heed to the ministry which you have received from the Lord, that you may fulfill it. See, the secret is to a fulfilled life is find your ministry and fill it and get right in the middle of it. You're also prepared for ministry. Ephesians 4.11-12 that's why he gave pastors, pastors, prophets, teachers, evangelists, and all that. It says for the, to prepare the saints for the work of the ministry. You're, you're supposed to be in a position where you're kind of being prepared ongoingly and, and, and fed into that. This is preparation for ministry. There's body of Christ also needs your ministry. 1 Corinthians 12, 7 says, Now you collectively are Christ's body, and individually you are members of it each with his own special purpose and function. So when you fulfill the ministry, what God has given you, we get blessed. If you don't, you get cheated, I get cheated, we all get cheated because we're all a necessary part. Look, if my liver decided not to do what it's supposed to do, my body would be in big trouble. Uh, So the church needs your ministry. You're also accountable for ministry. 
There's an accountability when it comes to ministry. Uh, Romans 14, 12 says, so then each of us will give an account of ourselves to God. You also know the parable of the talents Jesus taught. He says, the worst thing you could do is hire or bury your talent. He says, whatever that may be, your time, your resources, your treasure, your talents, everything is to be yielded up and to be released for the glory of God and for your benefit. That's a pretty important deal. Now, um, you're also going to be rewarded for ministry. Well, that'll be the last part of the priority. But Colossians 3.23 says, Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as though you're working for the Lord, not for human masters. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. As I recall, Matthew 25, Jesus said, This is one day we, we all want to hear. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. I'm going to put you in charge of a lot of things because you've been faithful for little. And there's a, a sense of rewarding, not, not earning your salvation, but just, hey, good job, blessings, let life flow. So the Bible teaches a lot of things about ministry that we just can't mm, say it's not really that important, not really that priority when you find out that we've been uh, created for ministry, saved for ministry, called to ministry, authorized to minister, com uh, commanded to minister, gifted for ministry, prepared for ministry, uh, needed for ministry, accountable for ministry, and, well, rewarded for ministry. That's a whole lot when you could dig out. And I just gave you a few little scriptures. There's a whole lot more that's laced throughout the scriptures concerning the importance of what we're called to. Here's a great passage. I'm going to put this up on the screen. 1 Corinthians 12, 12, 12, 21, 24. I just pulled parts of it to get you an idea. But it says, just as a body, though one has many parts, but all of its parts form one body. So it is with Christ. The eye can't say to the hand, I don't need you. The head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, these parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lack it. I mean, you can pull four things right away out of this concerning the priority of ministry, that every member is a minister in Christ's body. That means you, me. Every member has different functions. We all do. And we got to get out of the box. We got to say, Lord, enlarge my, my perspective here. Enlarge my understanding of what this really means. Every member is a ministry, and every, every ministry is important, he says. Even the small ones, even the ones you don't see, those are often the most important. Believe me, if you don't have anybody in the, in the uh, nursery, I would be competing with a bunch of screaming babies. Because they don't like my preaching. They're like, ah, you know. Okay. Every member belongs to all the others. That's important. We're all connected. Can't get away from that. So we, we, we uh, corporate, cooperate with one another in this corporate setting with other believers. Nobody, you find out, really is an island to themselves. Uh, I need your ministry. You need mine. You need the ministry of those around you. Because we're better together. Contributing in the way God has designed us to. You are, again, shaped for a purpose. Not by accident, but for a reason. You are unique. There's nobody like you in the world, and only you can be you. So be all you can be. That just came out. Anyway, you were shaped for this. You know, so God made you a special way with gifts and abilities even your background experiences play into what God has called you to do. He doesn't waste anything. 
He's given you a specific design and intent. Now, something you need to understand about ministry and about your life, really, is function follows form. Function does follow form. Now, in architect or architecture, actually the opposite, the exact opposite happens. In architecture, you say that form follows function. In other words, if you're going to build a building, you got to find out what are they going to use that building for? Well, if they're going to use it for this purpose over here, then we need to follow that function and build the building that will be able to produce that function or allow that function to happen. So function is going to follow form. We built this building. It's formed in a certain way because we knew how it needed to function, what function. So we followed the function. Makes sense, right? Not too confusing. But I tell you, with people, with ministry, it's totally opposite. Exactly. Function follows form. In other ways, how God... For how God made you, how he created you for a purpose, whatever that function he created you to complete, then this is how he formed you so that that function can happen. So, your story. This is a big deal. Your life experience. It will continue to shape who you are. Romans 8.28 says you, we know that for those who love God, uh, all things work together for good, those who are called according to his purpose. Now, uh, not all experiences are good. We get that. Um, but for those who love God or are following Jesus, then whatever unique thing you step into, God will use that experience that you've had in life for good, for the good of the people around you, for the good of community, uh, for the good of the purpose in the world. And it's not that those experiences shape us, but it's how you respond to those experiences. That's where the shaping happens. Your life experiences can actually be redeemed and built upon to accomplish his purpose. They can actually become the platform for which you launch off of into whatever God's called you to do because you were shaped with purpose. Now, there's three areas of experiences. We all have personal passions. You, um, you, things you really, you could probably think about that. There's things that really get you excited. I mean, they get you out of bed in the morning sometimes. I'm excited about that. That's what really drives me. There's also uh, life experiences and skills and gifts that God has put into your life. And a lot of you probably don't even know what they are. And we've all had painful memories or moments, hurts, wounds, losses, those can be redeemed, and God can use those powerfully in our life. Now, I'm going to talk briefly about that because, well, we'll get to that in a minute, but let's talk briefly about finding your hedgehog. Maybe some of you have heard this if you've been through our class before, but I'm going to describe the hedgehog, hedgehog concept. This is not a new concept. It's been around actually for a long time, but what's rooted in this concept is we believe that every believer is called to be a minister and able to make a significant contribution to the body of Christ. And each of us have um, a combination of passions, something you get excited about, giftings and talents, abilities, and then you have to have opportunities provided for you to live that out. Those are three really important areas. So we refer to this as finding your hedgehog. And it's been said this way that there's a fox, and the fox would love to eat the hedgehog. But um, he has a hard time getting that accomplished. The fox does know many things, 
Uh, but the hedgehog really only knows one thing. He's not the sharpest knife in the drawer, but I tell you what, he's really smart about one thing. Now, Jim Collins, in his book called Good to Greatness, tells the parable of the fox and the hedgehog, and he describes how organizations work and how people are designed. And the parable kind of goes something like this. The fox is constantly trying to craft new ideas on how to capture the hedgehog and eat him for dinner. He would love to. He's always trying new things. He tries sprinting real fast. He tries pouncing. He even tries playing dead, so hopefully the hedgehog will get close enough where he can apprehend him. So he tries all kinds of really crazy things on his mission to capture this hedgehog. And the hedgehog, on the other hand, only does one thing. He does one thing, the exact same thing every single time. The hedgehog is going to curl up into a ball and stick out his spikes. That's all he does. And he's going to do that because, well, he's the best at doing it. Nobody can do it better than the hedgehog. He is number one in that category. He knows that how to do that thing really well, and he's perfect at it. Now, every time the fox attempts to attack and deploy even a new tactic, the hedgehog does the very same thing. And he gets the same results every single time. The poor little fox will poke, he'll get his tender little nose poked by the spikes and quickly retreat to try to devise another plan while the hedgehog simply goes free and, and uh, doesn't get eaten. And so the question is, what is your hedgehog? What is it that you are uniquely gifted at, maybe positioned for, that um, you can be really the best at who you are or really good at? Maybe the best, or at least really top-notch. And So we broke this down into three circles. We'll put that up there, uh, the circle diagram, because the first circle is passion. That's what I said, something you get really excited about, those things that make you most alive. You would love to spend all your time even doing that if you could. You love doing it. You come alive. And the second circle is your giftings. Those are your giftings, your abilities, how God put those in you. And we have a lot of those, more than you could ever imagine. Those are both natural, developed, some uh, uh, naturally or developed skills. And you possess them to a higher degree. You have a lot of them, but some you're just really highly possess them at a high level. Now, there may be... Um, an area where a lot of people are gifted, and you're gifted in the same way, but you're just gifted a little bit better in those areas. You just carry that gift a little stronger in that area. And that's the skill you possess at a high degree. As a matter of fact, if you really worked at it, you could probably even be the best in that area. Now, the last circle are opportunities. You got to have avenues to where you can live this out now, how you can minister it, where it's provided for you. It's actually available for us to do. You know, I was thinking about this um, years ago, back in my youth pastor day, I was introduced to this gentleman, and his name was Bob Mortimer. And Bob Mortimer had one arm. That's it. One arm. And um, the way that happened, the way he evolved it that way, he just wasn't born that way. Bob Mortimer didn't know Jesus for a long time. And him and his brother we're out partying and doing what they do, living out in the country or whatever. They lived in a rural place. And they were driving home late one night. They were both drunk. And they decided to take a shortcut down an old dirt road. And they 
were going too fast and hit a corner and peeled off the side and crashed and rolled. They both survived. They were fine, didn't have a scratch on them, so they climbed out of the car, and they're laughing, thinking how cool and how fun that was. And they were crawling up the side of the road, and as Bob Mortimer got to the top of the road, he tripped and he fell, and they didn't know, but they knocked down a power line when they crashed, and he fell over this power line, and thousands of volts shot through his body for a long time, blew his kneecaps out. I mean, by the time... He got off that power line. His brother somehow got him off. He was practically dead, bleeding everywhere, burns up down his body, severe burns. And there was nobody out there in that country road. And his brother began to resuscitate him until finally a car came along. They were able to drag his body into the car, and he had to breathe life into him all the way to the hospital. He survived that. He laid in the hospital for months on end, slowly because of the damage of the electrocution. He lost one limb at a time till he was left with one arm, laying in that hospital bed. Long process, long story. He finally got out and he went back to the bars, rolled in there in his wheelchair, drowning his sorrows. And uh, through a series of circumstances, actually for the lady that he met that he would marry one day, he got born again, fully alive in Jesus. God changed his life. And he began to realize that God had gifted him and wired him in a certain way. First of all, he had an evangelistic gift. And he was a good communicator. And he was funny. Those are things that God put in him. Giftings. Talents. And he enjoyed people. He loved being around people. He had that compassion and heart for people. That was a strong desire. And uh, over time, he realized that, you know, he had a story to tell, that God wasn't going to waste this pain that he's been through and the tragedy that he'd been through. But it was going to become a platform, like I said, in which he would launch off of. And he became this amazing motivational speaker. Speaks in prisons, in those in addiction recovery. He speaks in high school, middle school assemblies. He does camps and retreats. And we hooked up back in my youth pastor days, and he did helped us out with a, a snow camp that we did. I got him in a lot of the high schools, elementary schools. I tell you what, when he would roll into that school assembly full of kids with one arm, you could hear a pen drop. He had a captive audience. And he would challenge those kids to live without excuse. He'd tell people, I don't have a handicap. He says, oh, no, I've got one handicap. He's wearing a cap and said handy on it. So here it is right here. He lived without excuse. He says, what's your excuse? When he goes into a... a hotel or something or bathrooms and needs all that stuff. He doesn't say, where's your handicapped bathroom or handicapped this or that. He says, no, where's your wheelchair accessible? Because I don't have a handicap. He was amazing. I'd see him get up and in and out of his van with one arm, with his chair and everything, do everything. Get in there and start driving. You can't be kidding me. He drove better than most people. That's pretty scary. But this is a man who found his hedgehog. And God is using him powerfully to change and transform lives in a very evangelistic way. So we are really without excuse, my friends. Nobody in here has an excuse not to. God has put his finger on every one of our lives in a very unique and powerful way, and he'll use everything and build on that and launch us into whatever he's called us to do. There are... and. You would think a guy with one arm 
His first excuse, who, excuse may be, well, who would ever want me? God has opened up a lot of avenues. And you do need those avenues that God opens up. Now, there is a divine design free online gift assessment that you can go to on the app and look at this. Or I would encourage you to, to go through that. You'll find some of your top five, I think, giftings and abilities in there. And that is for the purpose, really, opening your eyes to a little bit more, opening your heart to say, could this possibly be? And some of it will make sense. And as you grow in Jesus and become more like him and follow him, some of those may change. Some of those may become more prevalent. Some of those may be more identifiable as you begin to discover truly who you are just through your relationship with Jesus. I would encourage you to take that. And I would encourage you this morning to say, God, I want to get out of the box here. I know there's ministry is so vast. As a matter of fact, you could pick one of these up if you want. They're SIR team opportunities, and they're just a whole bunch of lists of opportunities throughout our church here. They're on the Welcome Center that you can read over, and maybe you'll connect with one right away. Maybe you'll consider one and just get started. Sometimes you just got to get the, the car rolling. You got to try things to see, really, what are you good at? How do you want to connect with people? How do you want to minister? Another one I want to challenge you on is as we approach fall, uh, there's myriads of ways up here to get involved in just practical ministry from children's all the way up to welcome ministries and everything else. But, but how does God design you? How has he shaped you for the community out there as well? How has he shaped you? And have you ever thought about maybe opening up your home to be a, a facilitate a life group, uh, a study group, a book group, uh, something that piques your interests? I tell you, in the years past, even when we were at Shell Sherrod there for a while, one of the groups that we had that our men did, that Matt Holmster ran, was a simple basketball group. He and a bunch of guys loved to play basketball, part of the church. And they invite other people in that weren't part of the church. And every single week at the Burrell Gym, they played basketball. And they connected with each other. They would pray when they needed to pray and minister when they needed to minister. But it was a point of common interest. There's some guys out there, they come alive when they play basketball and you unite basketball and Jesus, and you got something really cool happening. We've had, I remember in California, we had a group of guys, they were called the gearheads. They loved race cars and loved working on cars. And so I said, why don't you guys form a group, man, and invite other people in? And they did, and it became a thriving group where men would get together and connect over gears and bolts and nuts and grease and oil and Jesus. There was either a testimony or a prayer that was offered, a little bit of worship or something or word, but there was a connection and support. We had another basketball group there as well. But there's all kinds of, we've had women who had loved to get together and crochet. That became a group and a place of connection. There is so many ways that God has put in your heart that you come alive doing certain things. Why don't you form a group around it, invite people in and Jesus as well and make a ministry. Allow ministry to happen. There's all kinds of ways you could do it. Have you ever thought, and Milton's is really good at this. Milton is right out here. Milton and Kelly, where'd they go? They were sitting right there. They are. Uh, they, they're going to be starting their group up again, but they do a sermon-led life group. It's powerful. It's easy. They, they, they connect and talk about the sermon, two or three questions, and believe me, you've got to stop the meeting and say, hey, it's time to go home. I mean, it's, it's, it's alive, and it's powerful, and, and if anybody out there wants to do a simple sermon group, you just sit here and write down a few questions or talk about the passage that we're talking about, the, the subject, and you can go to Milton because he kind of gives a little oversight to any sermon-based groups out there, and he'll talk to you and tell you how he does it, and he'll help you and coach you along, and it's really fun. 
Uh, look, nobody's perfect and nobody's a stellar star at this stuff. But let me tell you what, connecting and providing ministry out of your home, out of these topics, let God speak to you. Get out of the box. And those of you who are interested, uh, Zach and Sarah Loving are right here in the front row. They're right here. And he's going to be at the Welcome Center after church. And if you're interested in facilitating a group, I'm not saying sign up for one yet because we're still putting groups together. We've got to have time to do that this fall. We're, always, we're still talking to people and kind of, you know, fall starting. But he will take your name and your information if you're interested in facilitating one or leading one or doing something or going to write down media and say, this topic on right now media has always interested me and I would love to just sit my home, turn on my TV, we could take 20 minutes, watch this together and then talk about it. How hard is that? And the fellowship that will come out of it and the good food you'll get to eat during it, right? The connections that will be made, it gives life and ministry. We've got to think out of the box, my friends. Talk to them, give them your information, say, I'm, I'm just curious, I, I, I might want to do this. And, and let's, get, let's get things going. Okay, wow. Sorry, time to stop almost. Well, let me just popcorn a few more things here for you. Um, some things you need to be aware of. Um, a lot of skills and abilities you have, you may have, you may, you're probably not even aware of. But sometimes you just got to get the car rolling. You got to get involved. You got to start some things, trial and error. You know, most people think they only have a few abilities. Let me tell you this. There, the truth is that there have been many national studies that have been done proven that the average person possesses 500 to 700 different skills. Isn't that incredible? If you've ever had an interest to do something, it's probably God saying, that's in you. Just start and see where I take you. I have done that with number, numerous things in my life now. I've started to branch out in some areas that I've had interest in, and it's wonderful to see what lies in you that's been dormant. You need to allow it to come alive. Now, something else we want to, you know, you commit who you fall, you commit to what you, you become what you commit to. Obviously, we're calling you to follow Jesus and what he's called you to do, because you're going to become more like him in that. And that's so important for your own character development. It's like an iceberg that you see out in the ocean. You're only seeing 10% of that iceberg. The other 90% is underneath that you can't see. Now, something that often catches people's attention is gifts and abilities and anointings. It's kind of like a flash, and you're like, oh, you almost want to worship you. Oh, they're so amazing. But that's only 10%. We like to focus on what's underneath, the character. Character will sustain for the long term that gift and bring credibility to it. So we don't ever ignore that. And we want you to continue to be growing in your character and who Jesus has called you to be, rooted in him, becoming like him, your commitment to him. Also, fear of failure is a big deal. I don't know if I can do that. I'm not sure I'm capable. Look, uh, here's the thing. We value the entrepreneur spirit. And failure is not fatal by default. It's not. It's not a failure we like to do it this way. It's an experiment that just didn't work. Let's try another one. Because we value creativity and innovation, which we assume that mistakes are going to be made. If there's never a mistake being made, but never, maybe you're never really risking and trying new things, and that's probably not good. A failed project doesn't mean a failed person. There are no failed people. There's only the right person maybe in the wrong place or the wrong seat on the bus, and you need to find the right seat. 
So we really want to encourage people, don't let that stop you. Um, every believer is a minister. I think we got that today. And you're uniquely, divinely crafted by God. And as it says in Romans 12:1, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, present yourselves as living sacrifices. This is an ongoing, full-time life that God has called us to, whether it's in here or in your vocation, career, or out in the community, or through your home. It's not a part-time cross and part-time Christianity. When you get born again, you've been called to full-time service to the Lord. And it's the ongoing living sacrifice, as it says in Romans. And allow God to live through your life ongoingly. Um, there's one more thing that I think is really important when it comes to ministry because I have faced this so much in my years. More than I care to talk about, but um, we discovered that ministries have a life cycle. And if you get involved in something and it's going really good for a few years and all of a sudden you find yourself trying to keep that ministry alive. It's no longer serving or helping the people it used to or intent, was intended to. You ever seen that? It's like everybody's trying to keep this, all their efforts have gone into trying to keep this ministry alive instead of your efforts going into ministering and helping the people that that ministry is intended to help. Now we're just not serving the people anymore. Now we're just trying to serve this ministry and keep it going. I tell you, that's a tough place to be. That's a hard place to be. What happens is that ministry become, can become a sacred cow. Like, well, you know, it's, we can't you know, touch it. We can't do anything because, you know, we might hurt somebody's feelings or whatever. But all the time, money and resources going into keeping it alive, something's wrong. You're trying to resuscitate it all the time. Well, when it gets to that point, it's time to end it. I may agree. It's probably time to end it. Because the most expensive thing you could do is try to keep a corpse from stinking. You, you got to bury it. You celebrate what it was accomplished and then you move on. That's what you do. Sacred cows we found are good for one thing and that's making hamburger. Hmm? All right, it's good to laugh about this because come on, we've all faced it and we all happen. It's not a bad thing. It's done what God has intended it to do, and maybe it's time for a new season and a new chapter because God is always doing new things. You know, isn't that amazing that God, we, sometimes we resist God. Lord, I don't know if this needs to come on. You need to help me out here, God. And God says, why are you fighting me over this? It's done. I have something new for you, and it'll give you new energy and new faith and new vision. So embrace it and move into it. Those are good principles. Anyway... One of the greatest fears to ministry, let's stand together, I'll have the worship team come out, is fear. Fear of failure. Fear will shrink your world. Fear, F-E-A-R, false evidence appearing real. Did you get that? F-E-A-R, false evidence appearing real. That's what fear does. Fear says you can't do this. Fear says, look, I said this last week, sometimes we put more faith in our inability and our lack of ability than we do in God's ability. And fear will get you to focus on what I can't do and instead of what Christ can do. God calls you something. He's going to empower you to do it. He, whom, him who he appoints, he anoints. That's kind of the religious way of saying it, right? He doesn't call you to fail. He calls you to succeed. And you need to keep that in mind. God gets excited when you start stepping out and trying new things. Get back into the groove. So I would encourage you. Embrace what God is speaking to you about. 
What's he saying to you? What, what is he stirring in you? And why haven't you taken that step? What is percolating? What is simmering inside of you? What is, he, what is waiting to being released through your own home or life? What step is he calling you to even take at your job? What unique expression is he calling you to do? Get out of the box, man. It's a whole lot bigger even than what's on this list. This could be your starting place. Just get you rolling. Get, the, get you warmed up. Amen? Let's pray for a moment. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your word today. And Lord, we are not going to minimize ministry. We're not going to minimize what you put on our hearts. We're not going to minimize the power of the local church and what we are called to do to participate in and through the most powerful vehicle in community to reach our world. I pray you'll stir up the gifts. I pray you begin to release those thoughts, those seed thoughts. I pray, Holy Spirit, you begin to speak pointedly and deeply to hearts right now. I pray you begin to open the eyes of our hearts and cause those things to come alive that rely on dormant. The things that we said, no, I could never do that or that's not possible. Lord, we forbid that voice to lie to us anymore. We say, speak, Holy Spirit. Your servants are listening because our first primary, primarily our first point of identity with you is a servant. And Lord, we say, speak, your servants are listening. And give us the courage to take the steps in Jesus' name. Our rock, the only solid ground The nations rise and fall Kingdoms once strong, now shaken We trust forever in your name The name of Jesus Come on, he's the one that we follow We trust the name of Jesus you are the only king forever almighty god we lift you high you are the only king forever forevermore you are victorious you are the only king forever almighty god we lift you higher you are the only king forever forevermore you are victorious Oh, that's the God that we serve. Amen. He's unmatched. We see. Unmatched in all your wisdom, in love and justice, you will reign. And every knee will bow. Come on, we choose to do so. We bring our expectation. I hope is anchored in your name, the name of Jesus. Oh, it's in you, Lord, that we trust. We trust the name of Jesus. You are the only King forever. Almighty God, we lift you higher. You are the only King forever. 
on the way out. Uh, we only have 100 right now, but um, one per family or one per unit. Uh, it should be enough to go around for a couple services, hopefully. But uh, there's a lot of good information in there for you that you should start thinking about and praying about. And if you're out there going, you know, I like all this, but I have something else the Lord put on my heart. I love it when people start new ministries. We'll get behind that. We'll champion it. We'll announce it. We'll encourage you. We'll try to help you get started well. But uh, I believe there's ministries waiting to happen. There's groups waiting to happen. So think about it. Pray about it. Get activated. God bless you. Thank you for listening. For more of our podcasts and to discover how you can connect, visit us at churchak.org or download our Church on the Rock AK app from either iTunes or Google Play.